good to see you all from the front. Good to see all the people who've been missing for a while. Uh, it's good to see you back. Um, good to see. <coughs> I'll speak a little louder. <coughs> um, we're still in the sermon series in Galatians, so you can uh, take your Bible and go to uh, Galatians. Today we'll do chapter 2, 1 through 10. Um, they, they were planned at two... They were planned as two sermons, so maybe it's going to take two hours. To no, uh, it would not, uh, but I could just couldn't really make it. Well, well just before we get uh, all there, um, oh, I have to take out my notes. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, just to, uh, if you like, what is Galatians, who is Paul, we'll talk a little bit about that <coughs> as well. Um, Paul is actually, first we meet him and his name is uh, Saul. Uh, he's called Saul of Tarsus. He's a Pharisee, persecuted the church. Um, but Jesus converts him on the way to Damascus, teaches them the gospel, and then he from there starts telling other people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's who Paul is. Uh, Galatians, who are the Galatians? Uh, we have our wonderful maps here. Oh, thanks. Okay, so this is the Roman Empire at this time, and so Galatia is in this time the yellow part up there. Here it's zoomed in to be the green part. And so Paul is writing this letter to the churches in Galatia. So it's not just to one church, but to what would be called a circular, circular letter that they should send uh, and have read in the different churches. The reason for the letter is that it seems like people have come in and start teaching different things because uh, <coughs> Paul had been there uh, and taught uh, the Galatians um, about Jesus and they had accepted and started following in the, even in the sense of being persecuted both by Jews and Gentiles, they started following and they were <coughs> doing that well, but then some people come in <coughs> saying that they are, um, they have authority to change what Paul has said. And so he's countering that. Um, we have in the first section, we have Paul in the, tr in the, introduction and really sharing what the gospel is. He talks about Christ, Jesus being the Christ, so Jesus being the Messiah, the chosen one, and the God who raised him from the dead. And it was through grace that God showed that to the people. And Christ gave himself up to deliver the people from this evil age. So he shares the gospel again with them in the introduction and the importance of this so that they would remember. And then he starts his, his admonishing other Galatians saying, why did you leave God so fast and turn to a different gospel? In 10 he talks about, I am not doing this for my popularity's sake. If I was, trying to please man, I wouldn't even serve Jesus. And now from 11 through um, 
example, I learned through actually through today, he is talking about why he have authority to speak on this subject. That Jesus taught him that God was pleased to reveal his son to him and that he wasn't taught by other people. Even the apostles. And later people saw that he had changed his life from being a persecutor to being a preacher of the word of God and people glorified God because of him. So this is what Paul is continuing to do uh, in the section that we go through. He will talk about why they can trust him. That, oh, as I said there, uh, on the same team. Uh, is, the, is the first apostles and Paul on the same team? Are they teaching something different? Are they in a different family? And they're not. So that's what we will talk about today. Uh, Galatians is a early letter written as one of the first things that Paul writes actually also before the Gospels are written. So this is not some late development. This is some of the first things that is taught about who Jesus is as well. But let's read together and then we'll get more into this. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately, before those who seemed to be influential, a gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles. In order to make sure I was not running or had run in vain, But even when Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek, yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved you and from those who seem to be influential influential what they were makes no difference to me God shows no partiality to those those I say who seem to be influential added nothing to me on the contrary when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter has been with the circumcised, entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised. For he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for my mind to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived that the grace was given to me, they gave me the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and to me that we should go to the Gentiles as they go to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. This is those, so that's the way they went. They go from Antioch down to Jerusalem. So Paul, Paul and Barnabas 
are working in Antioch. Uh, Paul, uh, Paul is brought from Tarsus to Antioch and they spend time there teaching and the, and the church grows. Now, <coughs> now, if you want to have some fun, uh, you can go into the scholarly debate of when does this happen? Is this, is this meeting Acts 9 or Acts 13 or something else? Now, that will take a lot more time than I have here to do that, so I would encourage you to enter into that debate if you want to. But today we're going to talk about what the text actually says. Because what is it that Paul is so occupied with in Galatians? It's his concern that although the believers had received Jesus and was walking with him, he was concerned that false teachers was coming in and pulling them away from God, away from Jesus. Now he he has to spend some time remind them in destruction as we talked about admonish them why do you listen to these people and then he we've been through like I didn't I didn't um, I was not influenced by other people but then here it says then that through a revelation he was asked to go to Jerusalem. So he doesn't expand on what the revelation is, but it seems that the Lord wants him to go there. And so he does. He goes there. He doesn't go there alone. He takes, at this, him, at this time, him and Barbas are very close. They work together. And they also take Titus, they also take Titus along. And they go to Jerusalem. Now, they're not going there to pick a fight. They're not going there to do controversies. They're not going there for much debate. But they go there, and as, as Paul says in 2 there, uh, I was going to, in order to make sure that the gospel that I proclaim, he wanted to explain how he was presenting the gospel and the gospel that he presented to make sure that he was not running or had run in vain. So the, the thing we talked about at some point, people like, well, Paul, you can't just say that Jesus showed up and taught you for three years. Like, nobody's going to believe that. You, like, you can just make up anything. But Paul was adamant about it, that, that Jesus had taught him. And that was the right gospel. Well, then somehow by the providence of God, he's now growing up to make sure that what he has been doing was totally correct. I had a joke there. I don't think it's going to make sense. Because uh, <laughs> it says about Paul, he's going to go up and then talk about, well, is it better? Uh, oh, there it says. In order to make sure I was not running or had run in vain. It's like, well, is Paul a runner? No, it has nothing to do with running. It's about his journey of sharing Christ with people. So that would be a better joke on a better day. Uh, but so Paul's going up to make sure 
that his ministry is aligning with what other believers teach. That he's making sure that he's not making any mistakes. Which is very interesting because that is exactly what is needed here. Because if people came from Jerusalem to Galatians, to the Galatians and say, well, we have authority to teach different than Paul because he is not aligned with the people in Jerusalem. So Paul is going with his team up and shows that Paul is not this rogue cult leader who made up a religion by himself. No. He goes up to even make sure that they're all on the same team. We're all preaching the same Christ. We're all doing the same thing. And so he's going to go get, make sure that they are doing that together and that they have not done anything or not is that they indeed are on the same team and preaching the same Jesus, the same way of salvation. That Jesus is the same Jesus that walked with the apostles and that they are not like the false prophets disturbing the Galatians to try to believe something different. And it kind of also goes to what we thought was maybe um, what is it? Well, you can't just oh I had a relation I'll make up a religion all this um, I'll make up my own religion uh, I don't need other believers because God only speaks to me uh, and God and God made me the leader with no accountability and is that that's not true. That's not a gospel. That seems like slavery to everyone, to that person. So we should never trust a person like that. Because that's also what Paul says in, in his first discourse against the false teachers. Is don't believe people who said they have a vision from angels or preach a different gospel than the one that Paul preached. No, they should even be accursed. They should be doomed to destruction. Instead, we see something different in the early church. We see that the call to come and follow Jesus leads to humility, leads to service, leads to be invited into a fellowship of people following Jesus in glad submission to Jesus' teaching and to God and to one another. Now, encouragement of that for us today is also that that's one of the reasons we have the church. For encouragement, for worship, rebuke, accountability, and for service, and for generosity. When people sometimes say, I don't need the church, the church is stupid. Whatever comes from that, or the hurt, or the pain that they have received, have maybe have had from a church. The solution is not isolation. Isolation was always to be away from 
away from Jesus. The church is not an easy place because there are people like one another and we can hurt one another. We can also greatly encourage one another. We can also keep each other accountable. We can also help one another and pray for one another. We can grow together. On the long, on long the, on the line of the theme I had, are we on the same team? When we look at our very individualistic world, looking at the followers of Jesus. Following Jesus is not an individual sport. It's more like a team sport. It's actually not just about you and God. It's about how you follow God with a group of people. Now, there's all sorts of reasons why sometimes it's easier to be alone. You don't have to deal with other people and so on and so on. But you also don't get the other thing. You don't get annoyed. You don't get glad. You don't get happy. You don't get sad. You think <coughs> maybe people aren't going to... There's no people there to correct you if you take the wrong path. There's also nobody there to encourage you when you're struggling. There's no way there to pray with you when you're not. So the whole notion that you can make your own religion, withdraw and be by yourself all the time and don't have any accountability, that's not, that's not what the gospel is. The gospel is you become a new creation in Christ. And that's being something with other people. You become a part of something new. Now, an interesting thing then in, not, not necessarily out of nowhere, but in, in, in three, all of a sudden, not, well, part of it, and maybe one of the main issues that they have come up, and that's circumcision. Now, Paul has a, a clear agenda here. And that is to explain to the Galatians that the people in Jerusalem are not requiring circumcision. Titus, who was a Greek, is not forced to be circumcised. You might think, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> well, this time it's actually a really big thing because it's previously, if you wanted to become a part of of the people of God, you would have to be circumcised because you would have to become Jewish to be able to become part of the people of God. Now, God, we're now in Christ Jesus, we see something different. We see something totally new come up. We see that the Lord is not requiring people to become Jewish. He's not calling people, as he has done before, from everywhere him 
but they don't need to become Jewish. They don't need to they don't need to submit to the ceremony law. The law that they cannot actually obey. When they have the debate later, Peter even talks about this. Why are you why are you trying to enslave these people to this that none of us could actually obey? And that Jesus is the only one that obeyed and now has set people free from that so they can follow Jesus in freedom. Now, all, even in this, this also says there uh, that false brothers secretly slipped in to spy out our freedom in Christ. And so even at this point, there are people that are non-believers who are infiltrating the church to set people back into slavery. And it's like, wow, that is crazy. Like, don't they have anything else to do? Well, Paul was kind of like that before himself. Well, he wasn't maybe as subversive and sneaky. He just wanted to kill people. But here we see the schemes of the evil one that people sneak into the churches to divide and destroy the people there, to put them back into slavery, to spread false teaching that destroys the very gospel that the believers are unified out. The gospel we hear about in the beginning, Jesus is the Christ, the one who fulfilled the law, who died according to the scriptures so that people might be brought back to God. That it was by grace through faith that it wasn't through the works. But then sneak, sneaky people brought in to pervert that doctrine and bring people into slavery again in different ways. Now, this is not the only place this is talked about. John talks about it as well in his, his letters that <coughs> false teachers will come. People will try to infiltrate the church to destroy the church by false teaching and other things. So it's good to be aware. It's good to be aware. And that's another way to keep one another accountable. What kind of teaching are the people around us spreading? Is it things that honor and glorify Jesus? Or is it something that's going to draw people away from Jesus? We should be aware what people, what pe what what team are people on? Are they working with and for Jesus, or are they working for themselves, or even from the devil? Why are these people there? So these false. He also says the the Paul is the. I don't know, I have these pictures of him and the other people, they kick these people out of the meeting and they, they defend the gospel and it's like, you guys, we're not listening to you, you don't believe in Jesus, you're out to just make us all slaves and they kick them out of the meeting. Um, and uh, there. Remember last week when we talked about lying, building your own world and all that? It's kind of a, it's kind of a, because we have the same 
and I'm not a Greek scholar, but you have the soda thing. So false brothers, why, why do we think they're not believers? Because they are soda brothers. False. It's a pretense. So it, they create an illusion that they're believers, but they're not really. And so, so Paul and his team are like, we are not going to listen to these people. They're not even believers. We're going to kick these people out. We want people to live in the freedom of Christ and not be enslaved uh, to the law, but believe that Christ has fulfilled the law. And they do that oh, just one more time. The, the, the focus here is that they, they want to preserve for, like, that's why I have this picture of like to kick the people out. And why, are they, why are they so much? Well, because also what Paul is writing here, we wanted to, you to experience the truth of the gospel. Not this perversion of pseudo gospel, but you have of the truth of the gospel to you, Galatians. So we're fighting for you. Well, we fight for Jesus and we're fighting for you that you will have the right gospel and not some perversion gospel or uh, a pseudo gospel. So this is what Paul is saying to people, Barnabas and Paul are fighting for them that they might have the truth of the gospel preserved for them. So they don't want to listen for a moment to those people. And that follows great along with what Paul has already said in his letter, to not trust any of those false teachers. Paul talks then about influential people. And he has this parenthesis of like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care who's influential. Because God doesn't care either. But he says, they added nothing to me. And those are important because that that's, what, that's, that's why we are here. But those people who are leaders, all the people there, they added nothing to the gospel that Paul had been preaching. No, it actually confirms that they were on the same team, working for the same thing, and that Paul, they could see and acknowledge that he had gotten the grace to go with the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ to the people that were non-Jews to the Gentiles, to the ethnos, to all the people that were not Jews. Now this, as I was just reflecting on this, I think there's a false, <coughs> if there's a false gospel here, I just want to make, I just want to, um, just shortly touch on, it's a false gospel of influence. Today we have people who, that's their job. I am an influencer. Uh, I think there's a false gospel bound up in if the church just had more influence or if I just had more influence if my platform was bigger, God would do more. 
I think it's a horrible lie from the pit of hell so that the church would run after all sorts of things it shouldn't run after. Because are you really telling me that God can't work unless we have more influence? Are we telling ourselves that the Holy Spirit can only work if we're popular? If we have many followers? If we get more likes? Honestly, I think that's not how the Holy Spirit works. I think it's a horrible gospel that makes us and other people run after stuff. It's like these buzzwords of, I need a bigger platform, I need more followers, all these things. Really. So the Holy Spirit cannot work through you if you only know your neighbor and a few people. You really think the Holy Spirit is going to convert a lot of tons of people through the internet because you have more influence or more people follow you? God can do whatever he wants. Church, church history just shows that's not the way he works. It's a strange view because it seems way more like every time the church is persecuted then it grows not when we get tax breaks not when we have an influence considered a voice in government and other things it actually seems like that's when the church declines starts to compromise starts to give in this pursuit of influence and power over people. Churches start looking like Israel when they enter the land. They forget everything about God and turn away. I don't believe that the church should hunt for influence. I believe that we are called as individual people to live out the gospel the best way we can by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will do the work but how many of us can communicate or have a relationship with hundreds of thousands or millions of people none of us they wouldn't know us they wouldn't know where we failed they wouldn't know how we fall short they wouldn't even know how to rebuke us they would just see a shadow of who we are God comes in Jesus Christ as a real person. Not behind a screen and other things. He doesn't come to influence people. He comes to change people from the core. I think it's actually, I think this gospel maybe sometimes is is attractive to some because it removes us from really having to engage with people and love the people we meet. Love the one person that you meet. 
so much that you share Jesus with them, serve them, and encourage them. It's one person at a time. The Holy Spirit works also when we just talk to one person at a time. I really don't think it's about influence. It's about loving Jesus, loving God, and loving our neighbor. Then we might actually, through the Holy Spirit, see people change. It's not about how much influence we have as a church. It's about how much do we love God and how much do we love others? How much will the God choose to use the Holy Spirit through us? Back to the text. <coughs> the apostles approve the work of Paul and Barnabas have done. They approve the gospel that they have preached to the people. They just hear the stories of how people who worship idols and other gods have turned away from that to follow Jesus. And then in 8, I think this is a very good, very, very good, um, how we see how they're aligned, how we see that it's the same God that works through Peter the same God that works through Paul. He worked in, like just like we talked before, <laughs> it's not about them being influential. It's about them working by the grace they've gotten to share with the people that they were sent to. So Peter was, in this case, sent to the Jews, although he also encounters other people who weren't Jews. But it's the same source. Peter and Paul and his team, the same God that does the work through them. They're on the same team. They have, now Paul has been reassured that all the thing, work they've done, they were running the right race. They were doing the right thing. This leads to koinonian between the people, the fellowship. The, they give the right hand of fellowship, the translated there into what we have as our name, koinonian. Fellowship of suffering, fellowship of giving, fellowship of worship. We're on the same team. We're on the same mission. And here then we hear who they are they're talking to. They're talking about to James and to Cephas, who is Peter, and to John. And they, they could see the grace that Paul and his team had had to go and share who Jesus is with the Gentiles. And that as they shared these stories about how Jesus was working and saving people and bringing more people to themselves. Paul is saying, you can trust what I'm saying. I am not speaking with a double tongue. We are on the same team. 
the people you need to be aware of is the ones who's come in with no authority to change the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't listen to those. Ignore what they say. Hold on to the truth of the gospel that I just recounted to you in the beginning. Now, the gospel also produces something, and this is where we can look at ourselves, and it's not the other way around. It's not our good works doesn't bring us to Jesus. Our service doesn't give us, uh, doesn't make us children of God. It's the other way around. But if we are changed by Jesus, as John also writes, there must be change. Also, like Paul is saying, like, you can't be a liar. That's of the old man. Here, something new has to come up. You need to go from being stingy and selfish to being generous. So the gospel or false gospel of I become a new creation in Christ, I'm part of, part of the whole thing, and I have my own stuff, and I, have, I can do all these things for myself. I can be stingy and not want to serve. I can do all these things. Well, that's not, this is not what the gospel does. The true gospel of Jesus Christ changes us because we see how generous God's been with us, how gentle and how amazing he has been with us to send his son that we might be adopted into his family and that the things we have will be hold more loosely, that we would actually become generous. Because we see that we see that in this part where they talk about the apostle, uh, the people in uh, Jerusalem said, well, please remember the poor. And Paul responds immediately, we really want to do that. So we see that the gospel of Jesus creates a willingness of wanting to serve and wanting to be generous. So as we just recount what we got through today in these 10 verses, Paul is continuing to explain. And he's on the same team. Oh, we actually have a good uh, recount here. Paul says that the apostles added nothing to his message. The gospel Paul received directly from God is the very same gospel of Jesus Christ that they were preaching. They recognized that Paul had been called an apostle to the Gentiles, just as Peter had been called an apostle to the Jews. They shake their hands in partnership, and there's <laughs> there's no talk of circumcision. Uh, so that's like the, this is what happens in this uh this passage where we have Paul so convinced, so concerned that false teachings is gripping the Galatians that he breaks in and explains all these things. It's like, no, these people who come to you might seem influential. They might seem like they have a lot of followers. They might seem like that, but they are wrong. What they bring in is false. Reject that. And when people talk bad about me and say my gospel is wrong, it's not true. I have the, we have the stamp of approval together that the grace of Christ is in us. Just as it was with Peter. So it is with me, Paul says. He contends for them to have freedom 
and not to be uh, enslaved once again. So what about all this for us? Well, as, as we go these through these things, as we look at this gospel that Paul is so wanting to protect, in this part, wh what are the similar things that you address? Like, thank you, God, for this. Thank you for how you work through your word, through your spirit, as you reveal these things. The importance of being in fellowship together. That this is not a lonesome venture, both for accountability, for encouragement, for instruction. That we're running on the same team. That we will be on the lookout for people who want influence and who just want to draw people away from God. And that we won't let that happen when we instead draw people to Jesus. As we end, we are going to pray to make ready for a communion also. So I'll just pray now and then Jesus will lead us through prayer. If you have comments or questions about who Jesus is, you want somebody to pray with you, please don't just run away. It's our hope and prayer that every time we meet together through worship, giving, uh, through the sermon, we will experience and see more who Jesus that we would not leave the same as we came, but we were actually being been by this time of being together in worship, we would have seen more of who God is. And we would have been encouraged to walk with him more faithfully. So let's pray together. <coughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for the times of singing and giving and times of listening to your word. Thank you for the faithfulness of the people who have gone before us, as we see in, in Paul and in Barnabas and the people who followed your instructions and encouragement, the grace that you have given them to share. Lord, I pray for us here that you would continue and start and mold and by your grace and by your Holy Spirit would show us who you are even more, that this would change us day by day, day by day to live out this gospel. That we would not false for false, we would not fall for false gospels, we would not false for false teaching. We would encourage one another to continue in the way that you have showed us Jesus, we thank you for who you are and for all that you do. Thank you for honoring your Father. Thank you for serving us by your life and your death and resurrection and that you're coming back. Lord, I pray you would continue to help us see it 
again, as beautiful as this is, you are by the Holy Spirit, and we will praise and honor you, and that, God, you will get all the glory.